This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Beth Lindsoff and with Joe Rimmer sidelined for today, I've been subbed in as your host. Um, I did ask, as it's my first time in the in the hosting hot seat, to be joined by two of the Echo's <laughs> finest. Unfortunately, Ian Doyle and, and Tom Cavilla are unavailable, so um, Paul Gorbs and, and Theo Squires are joining me. How are you both? Yeah, I'm good. Not too bad. Been at the trading ground today. Lots of traffic on the roads, a few crashes, so it's taken a while to get in. But here, raring to go now. Not quite as long as it took Gorsi to get back from Bournemouth on, no. on Wednesday. That was up to Texas. Yeah, and um, a League Cup front two for a, for a League Cup discussion, I guess. Um, after you've buried us there. Um, We're almost yeah, along. It was. It was um, oh, God. I mean, I don't like to sound like Doody because Doody loves a little moan about travel woes, but um, train back from Bournemouth to London was cancelled. So we had to get a taxi to Southampton. And then our train was cancelled again, so we had to get a taxi to Manchester. Get off at Wolves, run corn, and then finally got home. So it was a long day. Um, but Liverpool won, didn't they? So I suppose that is the main thing. Um, and we're talking about a passage to the last eight. All worth it in the end. Mm. Well, before we get stuck into all things Carabao Cup, I am going to do a cheeky little plug um, because my primary role is a women's football writer here at the Liverpool Echo. And Reach PLC have launched um, a new women's football monthly magazine called Women's Football News, which is available to buy in all your big retailers and online. It's a new 48 page magazine, comes out every single month. Lots of exclusive content in there from players, managers across the WSL, Lionesses and the grassroots game as well. So go and get your hands on that. Um, but yeah, I think best place to start is with the Carabao Cup and, and the performance. 2-1 mm. win in the end, goals from Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunes. How did it, what did you make of that on Wednesday night? Yeah, it was a it was a tough game. It was a, it was a right old slog. Both teams obviously played in the conditions of, of a storm. Um, so it was just about kind of hunkering down and, and getting through it essentially. And, and there, there was you know plenty of positives to say. Thought Gerard Ponzo was excellent. You know his, his kind of quiet success story goes on. Um, Curtis Jones would see him back on the team. You know he's he's ready for selection again, isn't he? At the weekend after his suspension, and that Darwin Nunes goal was, was superb, wasn't it? Um, Cock probably didn't want to use the the players who he brought off the bench. You know McAllister, Trent, Darwin, Jota. You know real kind of strength and depth. How is it? The full hope the hope would have been that he could have got through it with um, most of the ones who were on the pitch. But as it turned out, um, Bournemouth put up a real spirited fight. But Liverpool got the job done and um, a home tie in the last eight. So I think they, they might be looking at it now thinking, you know, all the teams who were out, you know, City, United, Arsenal, um, why can't they go on with it? You know, Liverpool looking for the 10th League Cup win. And with the strength of the squad they've got at the moment, it's, um, it's really positive, to be fair. Yeah, and there were some good performances. Some good performances in there, weren't there, Theo? And I think one player we speak about very frequently on the pod now is Darwin Nunes, and it's an impossible task not to talk about him because he is chaotic and brilliant in equal measure, isn't he? And I feel like that goal, sort of that horrendous touch, albeit in in a storm. So you know, mm. some some mitigation there. Of course, he's had to go to bat for him this week over that touch, haven't you? No, oh, I just just had a little bite on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was I was on the that was in I was in the taxi on the way to Southampton, so I wasn't in the best of moods to begin with, and I just had a bit of a bite. Well, nothing wrong with that, but I feel like that goal sort of perfectly epitomised him, didn't it? That that touch followed by a, a bit of brilliance for the finish. 
Yeah, it was like the reversal of what he did in the Europa League, wasn't it, last midweek, with the build-up so superb and then he misses an open goal. Whereas this one, it's one of the worst touches you can have, granted, in his storm. And then he goes on and pulls a finish out like that, out the hat. Uh, it, it's a little bit different, but it reminds me of that famous Suarez one against Stoke, mm. you know, from back in the day. And you think, oh, this is when we realised the quality Suarez had, and he went to such lengths after that. I think that is Nunez's first really sensational world-class goal. I know he's had a couple against Newcastle, some really good finishes, but that one is the best by far. And it's come in a game where Liverpool needed it. They've had to get the cavalry off the bench. They're going for this winner. They don't want the penalties, shoot out. It's in these conditions and he's just done, gone and put that in the top corner and made it look so easy. Like he is this chaotic forward that makes things happen. You, you want to see him do well and he is someone, we say every week, gets you off your seat. It's just exciting to watch him. He makes football fun. He makes it enjoyable. And long may it continue. Like Klopp said in the, the press conference today, like he's nowhere near his best yet and he's actually scared of the ceiling. He, he can reach one day because he is going to get better and better and better. And he's, what, seven goals for the season now? He got 15 last year. He's basically halfway there. And we're only in November. He, he's going to get 20 this year easily. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Nunes got a lot of the headlines, and, and rightly so. But as you touched on earlier, Gorsi, Jarrell Quanza, yeah. I think he's made something like 30-something appearances in senior football, half of which, more than half of which, were in League One. And then you look at the, the calibre of the performance he was able to put in on Wednesday night. He's some talent, isn't he? Yeah, I've been really impressed by him, to be fair. I thought he was, he was good in the first half of last season, particularly in the, the UEFA Youth League. But making the step up, step up to men's is just a huge, totally different kettle of fish, isn't it? And particularly at Liverpool, with the way they play, you know, you've got to be confident on the ball. You've not got to be um, panicked or rushed when you get pressed. And um, he's been really good. I, I think... I don't necessarily think it was the the, the grand plan for Liverpool to, to for him to flourish. I think he's he's been a kind of byproduct of them not being able to get a centre back in. In all honesty, but you look at what he's doing at the moment, and you know the longer he keeps that up, you're thinking do Liverpool even need another centre back? Um, I thought Bournemouth were looking to try and target him, particularly Dominic Solanke in the first half, and um, he didn't really give them an inch. So yeah, long may I continue. Um, you're looking at when he might play now, you know, Liverpool qualifying that Europa League, he, he might be able to get a couple of appearances there towards the back end of the group stages, might even be involved on Thursday, will he play against West Ham in the quarter-final? Um, I think at the moment he's just got to be massively content with how it's going and just keep doing it. And there was a lot of talk over the summer, wasn't there, about Liverpool not being able to get that, that centre-back in, and there were a lot of people, and I probably include myself in this question, and, you know, is that... Is that mm. a mistake? Is that something that's going to come back to bite them? What do you think, Theo? Do you think it could still come back to bite them later in the season? Or do you think Kwanzaa has now really cemented that spot as sort of fifth, well, not even fifth choice centre-back, is he really? He's getting in, you know, he's, he's getting plenty of games under his belt this season. Um, he's making it OK as it stands, because they're needing Joe Gomez a lot as mm. this alternative yeah. right-back. But there is still that question mark on that left-hand side. Like We've seen it now with Andy Robertson injured. You wanted that left-footed centre-back who could also be, do a job at left-back and will maybe Luke Chambers could step up with a few more games and take that role. There's still that gap there. Like We know Joel Matip's probably going to go at the end of his contract, and there's always going to be those question marks about Canate's availability, fitness issues, Joe Gomez, Joel Matip. Like, all of them are fit at the moment, but if one gets injured, two gets injured, and that's a lot of pressure on Kranz's shoulders. Um, Klopp's also said in the press conference today, he was talking more about the forwards. We kind of need it to stay as it is now, at least for the rest of the season, and you can put that for the mm-hmm. centre-backs as well. If you're in this situation where you can bring in your fifth one for the Cup games, for the Europa League games, you're very happy. You can still put Joe Gomez at right back and you've got a well-balanced mix there. With Kranzer, he's got a bit of everything. Like We've seen so many young players come through at centre-back in the last few years 
and they've got promise, but you can find a little bit of a flaw in the game why they might not make it at Liverpool, whether it's they don't quite have the pace or they're not good enough on the ball or they just look a bit too raw, they make rash mistakes. Quanta doesn't really have any of that in his locker at the moment. Molly's still young, looks so composed. Uh, he, he did an interview in the week, I think, with the club where he was saying that his aim was just impressing pre-season so he could get a chance this season and he doesn't really look further than that. He's just taking it each game as he comes, just impress each time he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. I still think Liverpool will need a new centre-back. Probably can get away with it until the summer now as opposed to January, but it's not going to be at his expense. Like It is going to be someone more on that left-hand side or takes John Matip's place in the squad and a long-term replacement for Virgil van Dijk and he's still going to be part of that conversation with Gomez, with Canate. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we. Yeah, and I think a lot of us probably predicted that Kwanzaa would have started on Wednesday night. I think the the one name that certainly was a surprise to me when I saw her on the team sheet was Mohamed Salah. And, yeah. you know, I think here at Echo HQ, we're all big fans of the Carabao Club. I think it's yeah, best, yeah. best competition in club football, really, isn't it? For him. Um, <laughs> You know, Jurgen Klopp at times has had it levelled at him, you know, over the years that he's maybe not taken it particularly seriously. Do you think, Gorsi, that, you know, the team that he fielded on Wednesday night shows that he's, he's really up for winning it this year? Yeah, I think so. Let me just make a point about the Carabao Cup as well. Have we noticed that there's no VAR? Mm. And we're not talking about it, we're not moaning about it, we're not discussing it, you know, to the nth degree. You just get on with it, whatever decision happens. Um, maybe that's something... For the lawmakers to consider, but yeah. Um, You're saying they'll be coming back in now, isn't it? If it's in the quarterfinals or the semi-finals, we bring it back. I don't know. Um, but in the game so far, it's Leicester and the other night. It just hasn't been a, an issue, has it? There hasn't been any contentious decisions that you think, well, if you, you know, VAR was in play, they might have got a pen there or whatever. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, Salah, that was only his fifth appearance in the League Cup, which is crazy, really, when you think he joined in 2017. Captain for the night. Wasn't his best game, but... Um, you know, he's, he's always going to be a threat, isn't he? And um, yeah, Klopp's, Klopp's got the squad now. Where whoever he names, you can't really accuse him of not taking it seriously. Um, it's not a case of you know a hugely talented first eleven or twelve, and then the rest of it is is subpar. Um, he's making. I think he made eight changes in total. But you know, he still starts at Basley and Salah, and obviously Shimakash was back in the team as well. Um, Look at the bench, um, the players who came on, Graham Mitch, Trent, McAllister, Nunes, Jota, and, you know, we still didn't have the likes of Thiago, Alisson Becker had the night off, Robertson's injured. So the squad at the moment is just really, really strong. Um, and long may it continue, you know, if they can stay free of injuries, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they're capable of doing across all competitions. Yeah, and the draw was, was probably pretty favourable, wasn't it, for Liverpool? You know, no disrespect to West Ham, and I'm sure they'll make it a good game, but it, it's one of those sort of, you avoid the, the opponents that you really wanted to, to avoid. And, and when you look at some of the teams that have already gone out of the competition, the likes of City, the likes of Manchester United, there's a real opportunity, isn't there, for, for Liverpool this year to, to make it all the way to the final? Yeah, definitely. It's one of the best things about the League Cup. You only play like three, four games, and then you're already 90 minutes away from Wembley. You've got a chance to get that silverware. And while it has been an inconvenience in the past, I think winning it two years ago, Liverpool realised how when it falls your way, it is very easy to yeah. get to the final mm-hmm. and make it your competition. 
And this squad, it's arguably stronger than the one we saw two years ago. Like, yeah, there are a couple of holes in it where you'd want a world-class older midfielder or maybe another defender. But when you look at the age and the profile of so many of these players that they are going to just get better and better for the next five, six years before they even hit their peaks, it's the start of something really exciting. And that's what makes this trophy even more important for them, for so many of those players that haven't won something before or they have, but they've only been on the fringes at Liverpool. If they can win this one when they're in the first team, when they're starting games, when they're making that crucial difference, making the impact, and then the new signings are coming in and they're getting that first trophy and then they can finally touch that this is Anfield sign, that's a great start for them. It gives them that confidence and something to build on. We've seen that in Liverpool campaigns in the past and when we expect them to go and do well in the Europa League, we're looking strong in the Premier League. FA Cup, you wait and see how the draw folds, but there's a real reason to be positive about this season and how it's going to unfold. League Cup gives players these opportunities to stake their claim and it's not a case of there being a massive drop-off from the first team. Anyone who starts in the League Cup game has got a chance to start at the weekend. It's just such a strong squad at the moment. There's a hidden benefit as well to winning the League Cup, obviously winning it and adding it to your trophy hall and your honours list and all that, but it always gives you momentum for the rest of the season. I remember when Liverpool won it 2022, all of a sudden there's talk of a new contract for Klopp, um, and then you're really looking at a push for the final few months of the season. We know the impetus it gave them for the quadruple push. Okay, it didn't come off, but they went and won the FA Cup. They got 92 Premier League points and, and they got Champions League final. So um, there's a there's a kind of afterglow to winning it as well. So it's about more, I think, than just just winning what is you know the, the fourth in the list of priorities at the beginning of the season. So at the moment, without overstretching too many of his big guns, Liverpool are looking at it and there's a possible... You know, Wembley is almost on the horizon, you know, especially if they can negotiate West Ham and then you see who they get over the two legs. So, um, yeah, it's it's all positive at the moment and um, and it's the Carabao Cup. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm a big, big fan. It was a great day out as well, wasn't it, back in, in, in 2022? Yeah, so, so um, yeah, and potential for, for a Merseyside derby final at Wembley as well. So. I can make it worse for you. It's a semi-final, so you get them in the FA Cup third round and then there's a replay. Four derbies in January. Be all fun, <laughs> and it is when you look at where that West Ham fixture falls in December. That's mm. going to be a massive week, isn't it, for Liverpool? Yeah. We've got United, and then United yeah. West Ham, and then Arsenal. So a big week. But you do feel now that this Liverpool squad is more than adept of dealing with that, don't you? Which is the positive thing. Uh, another positive on Wednesday night: Curtis Jones back. Mm. Obviously, uh, served his suspension now. Uh, what did you make of his performance on Wednesday? Yeah, I thought he thought he did well. He, he kept all of it well as, as he tends to do. He didn't try anything overly flash in, in the conditions. Um, I mean, I think he'll be disappointed because since he's been out suspended and he, he'll feel aggrieved about that suspension, whether you know, you'd know agree with it or not, he will feel disappointed by it. Graven Merch has come in, hasn't he? And he's absolutely flying now. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, is Graven Merch now the, the, the automatic starter in that midfield or is Klopp going to go back to Jones and think, well, you, you saved me well before the suspension. So um, he's got real competition for that place now that maybe he hasn't had since he made it his own, you know, back in towards the tail end of last season. So, yeah, I mean, it's good news for Liverpool overall, but I think he'll be a little bit cut at the kind of while he's been away, Graham Bates has been able to come in. So um, we'll see what happens on Sunday. But I thought he was good, really. Um, as I say, he wasn't um, looking to... It wasn't like he felt he had a point to prove. He was basically just doing what he has been doing for the last six months and... That is enough at the moment. So uh, yeah, I thought it was good. What about Harvey Elliott again? Came into came into the, the midfield and did a decent job, didn't he? 
yeah, Harvey Elliott's always been doing a decent job this season when he comes in. You forget how young he is. And it's almost been difficult for him in the sense that last season he was basically starting most weeks. He was involved in so many games right up until what was it the Chelsea game, just when they turned the fourth yeah. round. And then this year they go and spend 150 million on new midfielders. And it's not as though he can look and say, Oh, Henderson's pushing on Fabinho Milner. I'm going to get a chance there. He's really got to make every performance count because he's against players who are that same profile as him. And you look at them and, and big physical lads, and he's obviously still a slight lad. He's only just out of his teen years. Um, he's versatile so he's going to get a chance you'd imagine on the right wing when Salah goes to the AFCON but what he can do is keep doing what he's doing he's making an impact when he's coming on when he's starting games he's showing that he is an experienced player in this team now because he's been here for a number of years despite his tender years I'd like to see him get a few more goals a few more assists but that comes with age as well and he's still just very mature for his age like when he speaks like he talks a lot of sense you can see he's thriving with the responsibility he does have We've seen him have the England under-21s captaincy and the, the recent international break. So it's like coming all together nicely for him for club and country. You just wait to see him make those next steps. Last year, there was a lot of pressure on him with all the injuries elsewhere. This year, I think he's thriving from not having that. Like he can quietly go around his business yeah. in the background. And when he is getting a chance to shine, he's taking it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. One player we won't be seeing in, in Liverpool's midfield anytime soon is Thiago Alcantara. Now, I know, Theo, you were down at Klopp's presser this morning. Just give us sort of the latest update from, from the Liverpool boss on, on Thiago. Well, it's a little bit of a confusing one because um, Klopp came out and said he expects him to be out until New Year, really. And then he said, well, we're in November now, so that, that's four weeks. So that's the start of December. So is it four weeks or eight weeks? But it basically means Thiago's absence continues. He's not close to a return to team training yet. He's not started for Liverpool since February made a few sub-appearances in April, but that hip in, uh, problem that required surgery is still obviously very troublesome for him. Um, we're sort of in this fortunate position where Liverpool haven't missed him because they've brought in all these new midfielders. You're not itching to get him back in that side and give him that experience, give him that ability. And there is that feeling that his contract's up next summer. Liverpool's future will probably be without him. But you look at how well they're doing. We saw Pep Linder say it in midweek. Imagine how much better it could be if you heard a fully fit Thiago in there. I'm a critic in terms of the injury record. Like If you've got the best car in the world, but you can't get it to start, you get rid, you scrap it. But Thiago, do we give him that benefit of the doubt? Like He has to come and give us half a season when he's back of his absolute best and go out on a high. But can anyone say with real faith that he won't get injured again in those six months? Like We saw it with Naby Keita last year, where he was just on the scrap heap. Now, I know Thiago's had injuries in the past and he's come back and he has put those spells together. But when this one is going on and on now, uh, it is getting a bit frustrating. I'm sure it is even more for him as opposed to like fans or journalists looking on because you, you know what he can do. He's just not had that platform to do it. Yeah, of course. As Theo said, it is hugely disappointing. I mean, when you think about the, the fanfare that sort of accompanied mm. his signing and everyone was so excited and he's had spells, hasn't he? You know, in that quadruple season, especially towards the end of the campaign, yeah. he made a real difference. But it's so hard now. It's going to be, if he does come back in January, that'll be nine months out. It's a long time, isn't it? It is, yeah, and like they always says in the last start of February, and you know he comes back in January. It's nearly a year between between starts, and, and that's assuming that he's up to speed enough to start one of those games. And I don't think there's too many in January either. So, yeah, it's massively disappointing, really. Um, I remember the kind of tearing my hair out over the summer when there was loads of suggestions that Liverpool supporters would would like to sell him, and, and I was thinking, well, why? Because you know we promised Liverpool still still their best midfielder on his day, but. You know, I'm looking like I've got egg on my face at the moment because he hasn't kicked the ball, has he, since since April. The whole point of that May operation was so he 
start the season fit. Um, Liverpool kind of accepted that maybe the Champions League was beyond them at the time, so we'd rather have him fit for the start of the season rather than delaying it, and then he misses, you know, X amount of games at the start of the season, and whatever the plan was, it just hasn't worked, has it? You know, we've clocked talking now that New Year's going to be the the tentative comeback um, period, and it's just a huge chain because um, he's, he's brilliant, but like Theo says, if you can't get him on the pitch, you know, he's, he's no use or ornaments, is he? So, just hugely disappointing news today from, from Klopp's press conference. But I suppose the good news is, is uh, Liverpool haven't really missed them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that it's this hip injury. Like, if he'd done his ACL and had been out for a yeah. year, you understand that completely. You're like with Stefan Pesetic, he's a young player. You know the body's going to get those injuries at a young age. But whether it's something where we've seen him back in training a couple of times and he's had setbacks, I think he's had at least two now that have been publicly confirmed, whether there's been another one which is now keeping him out until the new year. And with a hip injury, it's that uncertainty. It's like, well, what is actually the issue? Why is he not able to train? Why is he not able to play? I'm not belittling the issue. Like, obviously, there's something for him to have these setbacks, but it's not as obvious as why he's out of the pitch and why he's been out for so long now. Like, like we're saying, if it's an ACL, that's exactly the same length of absence, a year's time. So it's just baffling how something that, that was meant to be resolved with surgery in May was still nowhere near close to this outcome. And when it comes off the back of Luis Diaz with his knee surgery when they said oh he doesn't need knee surgery last year and then a few months later oh actually he does and that's a pro- prolonged absence it's just another player and you're pulling your hair out going when are we going to see him back on the pitch it's all them no look passes and it doing it it is another player who's who's out for, for the time being is Stefan Bacetic you know obviously Clark mentioned him again this morning and and as you say Theo because he's a younger player you expect these sort of bumps along the road don't you his, his body's growing he's still developing physically and um, what's what's the latest on him really and what are your thoughts on on him uh, well then not really given a, a return date for him like obviously he came back he played against last and he has that right inverted mm. uh, fullback I think he made a substitute appearance against uh, was it Leicester in the League Cup and then he's just had a setback. Um, he's just someone they want to manage carefully. Like, there's no point rushing him. He gets another setback, and then he's out for a season or whatever. Like these young players, like we've seen it with a few of them. When you think Calvin Ramsey, Connor Bradley, the bodies aren't fully developed yet. It takes time to get them up to speed. And while some of them can be absolute machines, like Cranzo looks like he's ready to play men's football. He's got that big, imposing body. The other ones don't. It takes time. They can have it up there in the mind, but if the body's not there, they are going to struggle physically. And Besetic, he's a victim of his success last year. Like If he doesn't have to play as much as he did last year, there aren't these questions about him every week. And it's because he had to play so much last year mm-hmm. because of the issues elsewhere that he's had these injuries in the first place. Like We've seen it way back then with Steven Jarrod, growing problems. We've seen it with Kate Gordon at the moment, growing problems. When you have that issue, issue, it takes time to get that rhythm together. But you just need to look at Curtis Jones. Once you're out the other side, you can just rare in to go. So he's at least got that time to Liverpool can be patient with him they can wait for him to overcome it get back to his best on the training pitch and then slowly integrate him back into the squad don't really know when that will be but you can have a lot of cup games in the new year and even if it's not then just you can take a step back do it for the 21s or whatever and then you've got a player who's not even what 19 years he's still 18 so then you can just unleash him for years to come yeah, and I think it's easy to forget, isn't it, how good he actually was last season. Of he was sort of the one sort of shining light in what was a pretty dismal campaign yeah. for the most part. I mean, it's exciting to know that at some point he will be back and, and added into this new midfield. It's, it's an exciting prospect, isn't it? Yeah, when he when he come in, the team was around about February time. It, you know, the people were really in the doldrums, really, and it was a bit unfair to expect so much of him at the time, but he, he handled it superbly and 
now when he comes back, like Theo says, there's no rush on him. To, you know, getting him back. I think it, you know if this injury would have come last season, Liverpool might have thrown him in when he, when he perhaps wasn't ready just to um, just to get him back in the team. But you can take all the time in the world on him now because he's he's a young player who's um, the burden on him is no longer there because you've got the likes of McAllister and Tobias Line and Cranbourne and you know Jones who've stepped up in the last sort of six months. So um, yeah, I mean I'd like to see him back on the pitch. At some point, um, you know, maybe a Europa League game at some stage, possibly an appearance in the cup. But the good news is Liverpool can take take the time and make sure that when he comes back, he, he is a hundred percent because he looks a really exciting prospect. Um, he's approaching his three years at the club now, is he? You know, Liverpool signed him as a sixteen-year-old centre back, and now he's a first-team midfielder, and he's um, testament to the um, to the youth recruitment. Really, you know, you can name a few, but Probably at the moment, given the last sort of twelve months, he's probably the one who you would hang your hat on from the academy. Is like this is how you get it right. As he's come in and he's been superb. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, well, hopefully he will be back in the not too distant future. Um, but another thing that quite mentioned this morning was Luis Diaz, obviously back in training. And uh, now, Gorsi, I know you you reported last night that. Um, it's that we found out that who basically took his dad. They've, they've yeah. owned up to it now. At the time of recording, there's been no further developments on that, but just sort of the latest from from his, what you know. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy week, hasn't it? Obviously, Diaz found out about the situation on Saturday evening, um, given kind of compassionate leave, if you like. And I think Klopp said that he's back in training, isn't he? But um, it, they're going to leave it up to him as whether or not he's going to be involved at Luton. I'd like to see him involved, you know, just to. Even if it's just to forget about the this, this situation going on back in the Solman for ninety minutes, if, if you can. But um, yeah, so the um, the ELN, who are kind of a rebel group of of Colombia, and it sounds crazy that we're even talking about this on a football <laughs> podcast, but they have um, apparently been the group who are responsible for taking uh, attempting to take you know um, Diaz's mother, and they've still got the father in in their possession almost um, over 200 officers are involved in it you know with helicopters and kind of almost trawling through the mountains of, of Colombia which you know neighbouring Venezuela to kind of worried that perhaps he's been taken there as well but um, according to Reuters I think it was last night a report coming out to Bogota was that the ELN have taken responsibility for it and one of the spokesmen have said that they're looking to return him peacefully as soon as possible now at the time of recording that hasn't yet happened Hopefully it's not too far away and he can get Mr Diaz back safe with his family and put a harrowing, horrifying week behind them. Um, just a crazy story, but um, one that is fast-paced and, and developing. Yeah, well, hopefully it's all resolved soon and obviously it's good to see that the club are putting the onus mm. on Diaz to, to come back when he when he feels ready. Um, but whether or not he's, he's involved this weekend, Liverpool will be travelling to, to Kenilworth Road to take on Luton Town. You'll be going there for us, Gorsty. What are your thoughts ahead of that one? Excited to make the trip down? It was well, it's a new one to take off, isn't it? I can't remember the last time Liverpool played it. Kenilworth Road, was it? Uh, 2007, eight. yeah. Was um, it was like a Reese goal, made it one all, and then Gerard yeah. Hatrick and Field of Yeah, yeah. Out. And it was that the FA Cup? Yeah. FA Cup. FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, they've come a long way since then. Um, so we'll see. It's meant to be really tight ground packed, isn't it? And closed in. Um, Really struggled this season, Luton. I think that was to be expected, really, given the step up in quality from the kind of championship playoff regions to the top of the Premier League. Um, 
But I think you mentioned something in you before we come on that, you know, you just feel like Luton have got a big result in them at mm. some point, even if might not necessarily keep them up. And Liverpool's just got to make sure that they're not the banana skin. Um, I've seen Luton against Tottenham. I think Basuma got sent off right at the end of the first half and Luton huffed and puffed, but didn't really create enough to get back in the game there. I think if Liverpool are on it with 11 men, I think he should prove too strong for them. So um, let's hope it's another three points rolling into Brentford next week and um, look to get 12 from 12 before the international break. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games, sort of, as, as you said there, I, I do feel like Luton will have one big result in them at least mm. th- this season. Um, and you can just sort of see with it being on bonfire night as well, sort of the, uh, the sky, the, the sky the, headlines, the, the fireworks, yeah. um, Luton get, going out with a bang or something like that. But um, hopefully that's not the case. Um, but we touched on earlier sort of Jürgen Klopp choosing quite a, a strong side in midweek, probably some players playing for, for far longer than he would have liked them to. Do you think that could have a little bit of an impact at all this weekend in terms of team selection or the way that the team performs? Um, you'd like to think it doesn't have a, an impact on the, the way they perform, right? Most of the weeks of the season they've been doing Thursday, Sunday, so that's an extra day recovery for them. Yeah. And the squad is so strong now that they are able to make seven, eight changes game by game, and they're still fine when they're getting out on the pitch. Um, Luton, it's daunting in the sense of they have probably got one big result in them, and you'd expect it to come at home. It's like the later on game, isn't it, on Sunday? Clocks have changed, so it's going to be that bit darker. Sky cameras, you can build up now, mm-hmm. but then are we just crying it in? Are Liverpool just going to be too good for Luton? side that were in the conference what a decade ago something ridiculous like that uh, they're not a Premier League side they, they're probably going to get relegated it's going to take a hell of a fight from them to stay up now I know they got a, a big win at Goodison was it last month uh, you imagine they'll get a couple more results like that but when you're a team like Liverpool yeah. you've got aims to go for a title finish in the top four that isn't a place you slip up we've seen Liverpool slip up at games like that before but they're just not like that anymore under Jurgen Klopp. Like you take out a questionable season last year, they just got a bit more about them. And the team, even though it's quite young compared to previous years, is still experienced. It knows how to win, and you'd be a bit more concerned if this was a twelve thirty kickoff. Like you'd like to think there is enough there that Liverpool can just go about their business. And if Spurs can do it with ten men, surely Liverpool can with eleven. Yeah, I think I think it maybe provides more evidence of how far the Liverpool team have come this season. You know, it's only Luton, you know, say only in inverted commas without trying to be disrespectful. But last season, Liverpool got beat at Forest, got beat at Wolves, got beat at Bournemouth. Um, so, you know, if they win this one, it's kind of like, well, last season was last season, but, you know, we are a completely different outf- outfit this season. And um, it's one you'd expect them to win, but, they, you know, they didn't last season. So mm-hmm. um, another kind of checkpoint on the the list that this team are much improved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sort of one thing last season that was particularly frustrating against those newly promoted sides was it was they were just struggling to break them down. Liverpool weren't they really? And you, you did wonder sometimes where's this goal going to come from? And I feel like the creativity in midfield now with, with Dom Sabozlai and, and Alexis McAllister, you always feel like Liverpool are going to create chances, don't you? Yeah, well, the front five has scored 30 now between them this season, which is, you know, an incredible record, really. Um, I, don't, I think they've scored in every game, at least one of the five yeah, have scored have. in every game. So, you know, if you stop two of them, the third one will get you, or, you know, if, if the starting three are not at it on the day, they've got two off the bench. And I think it's going to take a lot now for opposition teams to keep all five of those players quiet, you know, if, if they're kind of throwing the kitchen sink of things. So I think that alone gives them a great chance to really do something serious this season. Um and you'd expect 
whoever starts on Sunday to have enough about them to do the business over Kenilworth Road. That's what we said about the famous round three. If two of them don't do something, the third will. But the mm. that you've now got those two in reserve. Yeah. And there's so much strength there. Like the games we've seen in the last few weeks where it has been that low block. Liverpool haven't really struggled to break down these sides. They've got like two against Everton. Granted, man sent off in that one. But they've had some comfortable wins in the last week and a half against what Toulouse. Again, Stir, whoever it was last week, I've already gone blank, was in Forest last week. And so you'd like to think they can do that again. Like there is that quality there. And they're not so one dimensional now. Like they've got the ability to shoot from distance and find the top corner. They'll pick out the three balls, get them behind the side, hit them on the counter attack. Got so many varieties in their attacking players now that they're just very, very dangerous. And we're seeing that week on week. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and someone we didn't mention earlier actually was Cody Gakpo, obviously making his first start on Wednesday nights since his injury and he got a goal as well. So that's, you know, confidence builder ahead of Sunday, isn't it? Well, yeah, like he's one of the players out of the five you'd say he's the weaker finisher in terms of you don't expect him to be top of the goal scoring charts, but he's still quietly doing his business, getting the goals. He's like a throwback to how Firmino plays, dropping deep and maybe Liverpool in a different direction now. We'd say Darwin Nunes, you want, you want him to be your first choice. But it's good to have that variety there that Gakpo can be this creative option, dropping deep when you need him to in other games. And he's a poacher's finishes and he's popped up in the right place. It will do him the world of good to get another goal because you don't want to like forget him. Like Jota's been getting a lot of goals. Nunes has been getting a lot of goals. Diaz obviously hasn't the last couple of weeks, but he's still scoring a decent amount by his standards. But the fact that we've got five players here, obviously Salah, incredible record. Five record um, players here just scoring goals for fun. Um, you don't know as an opposing team who's going to start mm. it's even harder how to stop them and even if you keep one of them quiet four others it's just too much especially with the different profiles of them all as well they're all very different types of players aren't they particularly with the, the you know the players down the middle so if you're looking and you're preparing for Darwin Nunes you look at his strengths and whatever you analyse them you come up with a game plan and then if Klopp names Gakpo in there, it's a totally different type of player who you know we confronted with, and they're all international top class strikers, aren't they? So it's um, it's going to be very difficult, like I said, for for teams to to deny them all at some point. So I just think that even when Liverpool aren't going to be at the best, which is going to be you know a certain percentage of the season, there's enough in that front five to just snatch games when they're not playing that well, and and that's a very important tool for us for the squad to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got to say, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gakpo. I think when he came in last January, there were, there were maybe some, some question marks, mm. weren't there, over why Liverpool had gone for another attacker. And I think this first few performances, he was slightly shaky. But, you know, over sort of the, the course of, of the last season, I thought he really, you know, he was he was excellent. Yeah. It just feels quite harsh now because you feel like you can't drop Darwin Nunes, can you, in the, in the form that he's in. But you also feel that, that Cody Gakpo has done more than enough during his time at Liverpool to, to warrant being a starter, don't you? Yeah, but I think Klopp addressed this in the press conference today. It's like these players are smart players. They know they can't start every week and they all get along. They all know they can play with each other. So if they're not starting, they're just glad a player of great quality starts instead and they can then come off the bench and kill off the game. And that, that's a good strength to have. Like If you start in the Champions League final, I know if you weren't in it like, um, this year, you probably lean towards Cody Gakpo, but then Darwin Nunes is your match winner. Mm-hmm. So it's... Horses to courses, it depends on the opposition, what is the perfect fit. Like Diogo Jota, he's probably fifth choice for me, but you know he's always good to get you a goal. Like Diaz, he's got that explosive pace, he can beat a man, he's so creative, and Salah's record speaks for himself itself. All five of them can say, This is why I deserve to start. 
But then the fact that you know you can have two on the bench each week coming on, making that difference, it is, makes them so unpredictable. And that is something that you couldn't say with Liverpool a couple of years ago. Like Carlo Ancelotti said after the Champions League final defeat, that they are just predictable. You know what they're going to do. But they've now got that variety. It puts them in such a strong mm. position. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in terms of team prediction then, Ghosty, let's have your, your defence. Yeah, so Alisson will come back. Uh, Trent will be back in. I think Simakash pretty much picks himself now, doesn't he? Um, Centre-backs, I'm going to go with Matip. Um, didn't really do too much wrong the other night. Didn't have a whole lot to do. And uh, the captain, Van Dijk. Yeah. Canate um, instead of Matip, but the rest of it is pretty much the same. And the fact that Canate didn't play midweek, I think he comes back in for this one. I did think it was interesting, actually, in midweek when Trent came on. He came on in midfield, yeah. didn't he? That yeah. was yeah, a, yeah. a bit of a mad bomb, it wasn't, wasn't it? even the, the kind of right-back no, hybrid. It was... it was just full-on centre-mid, yeah. Do you think that's a, a little Easter egg for what's going to happen over the rest of the season? Or just no, a bit of a because I was looking at the team and Klopp, she, it seems to be an experimental thing from Klopp. He played a lot of them out of position, you know, um, so Bosley starts on the right, the front three, Salah's through the middle, Gakpo was on the left, Trent ended up playing central. Um, just seemed like an opportunity to, to experiment. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, but I think Trent is still still your right back. Yeah, take time. Like You look at um, what the AFCON come in, so they know they're going to need someone else in that right-wing position, yeah. whether it's a Sabosley, Elliot, or one of the other forwards. But with Trent, we said on a few podcasts, if Conor Bradley doesn't get injured in pre-season, does Trent start the season as a number six? Do you then go and sign Endo? Are you happy with what you've got? Because they are so versatile and they can play in these different positions, it gives them options. And the fact that they're keeping the cards close to the chest and you don't really know what's going to come makes it that bit more exciting too. Like when they signed Gravenberch, we all thought he was going to be transformed into this holding midfielder. But now you're just watching him play as number eight and you're enjoying it. Um, Klopp obviously wants to get that full scope, look and see where they can play the strengths. Like today he was saying, Gakpo can be a midfielder in the long term if we properly work at it. That's what makes the squad so strong as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've, we'll probably agree that Trent doesn't start in midfield this weekend. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who would you put in there? Yeah, I think McAllister will come back in. Um, I think the big question is whether it's going to be Graham Birch or Jones. Um, neither of them have, have done too much wrong, really, to, to warrant a, a dropping or a, or a resting. Um, but I'll keep faith with Graham Birch, and, and obviously Zabozlai is one of the first names on the, the sheet at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I agree. Sabosley McAllister, it's a hard one to choose between the other two. Because like Gorsty said, Gravenberch hasn't done anything wrong. But if you expect Luton to be a potential banana skin, maybe you want that bit more graft. Players used to playing the English teams and get stuck in that bit more. Uh, but then Jones hasn't played much over the last uh, month because of that suspension. You could give a, a big case for either of them. I'll stick with the consistency and go with Gravenberch because he's what we've seen in recent weeks. But you wouldn't be surprised and you wouldn't have any qualms if it was Jones. Yeah, and your th- front three? Uh, Salah's on the right, Nunes down the middle, and it's probably going to be Jota on the left. I feel more comfortable with uh, Gakpo down the middle, and he's still feeling his way back from that injury. And Diaz, even though he's trained this week, and it's up to him whether he's available, it's still going to have taken a, a massive toll on him this past week. You, you don't want to throw him back in and not be ready. Feel like if it all gets resolved positively in the next twenty four hours, forty eight hours, like is it to lose next week? That's a better one to ease him back into it. Yeah, costy. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see the in just for a chance for him to just forget about the whale and just ch- chase the ball for ninety minutes. I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I'd, I'd like to see him back. Um, but if not, I think Jota will play and, and uh, Nunes will lead the line. Yeah, score predictions. Let's go two 0 Liverpool. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Fairly comfortable. I might go 1-0. I feel like it could be quite an edgy game, but you know, hopefully it'll be, be an explosive 
bonfire night performance <laughs> uh, well before we go um, I will just mention as well that Liverpool women are in action this weekend uh, so if you're not heading down to Luton get yourself down to, to Brenton Park on Sunday they play Leicester City they've had a really good start to the season actually um, they've won two of the of their opening games um, and they're in, they're in good form so you know, if you're not making the trip down to London like Gorsty then get yourself down to, to Brenton Park and, and give the girls some support um, we'll be back next week. Joe, Joe Rimmer will be back. You will be pleased to know. Um, but thank you for joining us for the Blood Red Podcast. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 